Take your Bibles now and open up to Colossians 3, verse, let's go 16 and 17, then leading up into verses 18 and 19. How many of you guys knew and read ahead that we're going to be talking about marriage today, husbands and wives, and one of the most famous, most loved, most cherished verses in all the scriptures, wives, submit to your husbands. How many of you guys knew that today? You guys knew that today? You guys showed up right now? Lock the doors, ushers, would you? Just lock the doors. And... Um, Let me just read to you, though, by way of preface, verse 16, Paul says this to to believers. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in, in psalms, hymns, spiritual psalms, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, verse 17, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Stop right there, eyes up here. Paul says something very important to believers. He says, I wanna make sure that you have the word of God dwelling in you richly, motivating you, compelling you, teaching you, challenging you, all these things that we need. And I want you to do whatever you do for the glory of God and for the good of others. Okay, once you become a believer, and we prayed actually, I was praying with one of my friends yesterday. He, he called and I had a few questions. He said, hey, pray for me right now. And one of his prayer was so interesting. He said, Lord, I pray that at South Beach Church, there'd be a bunch of young people that show up or maybe people that are out and they're not young, but they're just outside the fold and their lives are crazy like Luke's was, like Pastor Bo's was, like mine was and that you would inspire them and say, what am I doing? And they would hear the word of God and say, let's go. Tell me what I need to do. Tell me where I need to be. Tell me what you expect from me. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing like the word of God coming into your life, telling you what's going on, telling you who you are, who he is, and what he expects from you. And whether you're outside the fold or you're well inside the fold, our food is the same thing. It's God's word. And when you read God's word, you're like, interesting. I didn't know it said that. I didn't know that's what he meant by that. And so I wanna encourage you and challenge you because God wants to do something new in us. He wants to change us. And the pro tip I already gave you is you can't become new if you still believe and do the same old things. You have to take cues from something bigger and outside of yourself primarily, and in today's context, the word of God. Now, last week I talked about how we all had been getting, uh, received some new clothes for Christmas. Everyone got something new for Christmas, you know, and you gotta put that stuff on. Maybe take off the old man is what, what Paul said and put on the new man. How many of you guys, when you got new clothes though, your clothes came with a tag like in the back and it says like, you know, where it was made, what size it is and how to care for it. You guys, you guys have tags on your clothes? Anybody with me? Okay, yeah. good, good job, good job, yeah. How many guys, when you buy the clothes, do you keep reading the tag every single time you put it on? You just read it every single time, make sure it's the right size, make sure it's still made in Vietnam, you know, it's still, you just make sure you don't, no, but you do do this. You do make sure the tag's on what side, front or back? Why, why are you guys hesitant? Are you, are you three? Are you, have you seen a three-year-old? His shirt's on backwards. Like, look at me, you know. And in, you got, it wasn't a trick question. The tag goes in the back and you know it. And when you're wearing it wrong, it's obvious you look silly. Don't do it that way. So, man, I'm not using that illustration for the next service. Here's my point. Here's my point. Okay, there's a wrong way and a right way to wear clothes. There just is. Now, you can choose to wear it the wrong way. You can go all backwards, crisscross style. You can do that if you want to, man. We did that back in the early 90s. It wasn't cool. We tried it anyways. I actually wore my clothes all backwards to Subway to work. I don't think Mark ever knew this. I had my clothes on, pants on backwards and everything because I was totally crossed out, man. I was t- That's funny. That's funny. But anyways, <laughs> the way you're supposed to wear the clothes, listen, is the way that they were designed to be worn because there's a designer. There's a way. There's a right way and a wrong way. So too with the way the world works. Did you know that there's a capital D designer? Okay, there's a creator, there's an author, there's a person who intended it all to go this way. And once you realize that, you have to read the tag, the label and say, well, how's it supposed to work? You're allowed to make it up yourself if you want to, 
but you're going to be in Cuckooville doing weird stuff, going weird directions, and getting weird results. But if you're a believer, you read the instructions, and you say, well, how's this supposed to work? I say all that to say this. I'm trying to deploy the airbags before we get into this. Read, read with me verses 18 all the way through verses 1. We're not going to get there today. It's just not going to happen. But here's what Paul says. He says, wives, remember the word of God's supposed to dwell in you richly. Whatever you do, do in word or deed for the glory of God. Wives, he now gets real practical. Submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter towards them or don't be harsh toward them. Children, verse 20, obey your parents in all things for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. 22, bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Verse 23, and whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, for there is no partiality. Verse one of chapter four should be in this last te- uh, section, but it's not, but let's read it anyways. Masters, that's bosses, give your bond servants, that's employees, what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Stop right there, eyes up here. Nine verses, Paul addresses a bunch of people, what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to live, how they're supposed to get dressed every day and order themselves. And when he says this, he does this by way so we find our lives actually operating at the highest of potential and purpose and value and identity that God has determined. And so we don't find ourselves making stuff up, but instead doing it as he designed it. And the point of life in the Bible is that God has instructions for us to follow and a purpose and identity to discover. Now, isn't it interesting that the world wants to take these same values, purpose, identity, uh, value, and all these, they wanna take those concepts and own them, but they can't. See, the world is more hypocritical than any other people group in the entire world because the world says, guess where everything came from? Nowhere, on accident, for no reason. And then they come on this side, they say, but we got a lot of reasons to be here. I said, no, no, you can't have both. Either God designed it and he has a reason or it came from nowhere and there's no reason to be here and we get to do whatever we want, however we want, wherever we want. And yet the world is virtue signaling and putting all kinds of parameters on people say, this is what we do. And they change it every single day. They say, well, this is the new standard. This is the new way. This is the new law. This is the new. And they're pulling stuff, changing the rules, changing the playbook, God's law, God's rules, God's playbook, it doesn't change. So when he gives the mandates for wives and for husbands and for parents and for kids and for bosses and for employers, he also gives mandates for for kings and for peasants and for travelers and for neighbors and for homeless people. He gives mandates for rich people, for poor people, for men, for young, for old, for women. He tells everybody what to do, which is really good, by the way. Because have you ever read the scriptures and it told you what to do and you became offended? Raise your hands. Okay, don't lie in church. Raise your hands. Let me just say this, by the way. If you haven't been offended or challenged by this book, you read it wrong, okay? This book is designed to plow down your row, get that fallow ground all jacked up and the rocks removed and change you. If this book hasn't changed you, man, start at the beginning and read it again and repent. It's gotta get in your business, husbands. It's gonna get in your business, wives. It's gonna get in your business, bosses, kids, fathers. Everybody's gotta read this and say, whoa, I'm wearing my clothes backwards. I gotta fix it. You know what I like about the scriptures, how it tells everybody something, it tells everybody what to do? Because if the Bible only targeted a few people, let's say the Bible was only written to wives. Let's say it was just only written to wives. Wives, you gotta read this, it's all about you. Okay, that would be tyranny. That would be domineering, it would be imbalanced. But instead, God says, no, 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 no. I got instructions for everybody. I got a way that it's going to work. You can take it or leave it. Naturally speaking, we're all rebellious 
carnal and sinful, right? Okay, you ever been married before? Figure it out, figure it out. Naturally, we don't want anybody to tell us what to do. And it's a beautiful day when you get to that point in your life. Maybe it's gonna happen today again where you say, Lord, not my way, but thy way. Not my will, but thy will. Lord, search my heart and see what's going on and remove that stuff and make me the best husband, make me the best wife, make me the best boss, make me the best kid, make me the best that you want because God made everything. He's the creator, he's the designer, he determines how things work and what the rules are. Matter of fact, this quote, it's attributed to George Washington. Most people don't wanna give him that credit for saying this, but George Washington, maybe, maybe it wasn't him, somebody speaking about the Bible said it this way, that it's impossible to rightly govern a nation without God in the Bible. Yeah. You ever heard that quote before? Yes. You can't govern a nation or people, okay, without God in the Bible. Otherwise, you're gonna have your clothes on backwards. In our society right now, man, they have taken the Bible and just kicked it so far outside of government and judicial matters and all the stuff. We're the church, though. We're different. So I want you to settle into this and be encouraged. God has instruction. We're gonna call it roles and responsibilities. Okay, he has roles for every man, for every woman, young, old, single, married. Okay, and he has them in the home. He has them in the church. He has them in government. He has them everywhere and responsibilities. And when you figure this out, you won't get mad at that person's not doing their part. That person's over here. Man, I want to do their job. No, 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 no. Get to know your own job, your own role, your own responsibility, and you be the best that you can be. Uh, Amen from somebody? All right, let's get offended. Let's get offended together. Uh, We'll we'll begin in in verse 18. This is where we uh, left off. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. I love how he adds that, as is fitting in the Lord. This isn't just some crazy clause to grin and bear it and figure it out. He is speaking specifically and primarily to a husband and a wife, listen, that are submitted to Jesus Christ. This is a godly wife and a godly husband. He goes on to say in the next verse, he says, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them or harsh with them. And the reason why Paul addresses by way of the Holy Spirit's inspiration, these two major topics, husbands being harsh or bitter towards their wives and wives not submitting to their husbands, the reason he does this is because there's a proclivity and a temptation all the way back to Genesis chapter three to do both these things. How many of you guys read Genesis chapter three yesterday? Okay. Me and Carol back there, good job, good job. You know, a couple of us, you know, we read it. And when you read Genesis 3, you see that the first marriage, man, just got all busted up. Curses were given out. When God gave the curses out, the first one was to the devil. I like that. He gave it to the snake. He cursed the snake. But then he told the woman, the wife, that it's going to be difficult being her. Then he looked at the man. He said, it's going to be difficult being you. It's all jacked up from here. And if you read chapter 4, there's a murder at the very next chapter. Like, it gets real bad real quick. And so God gives us then our hope and our instruction and I have a whole bunch, of, man, I panicked last night. I went to bed so sad because I have like 10, 10 pages of notes. And I don't know how to teach 10 pages of notes. It's not good. It's bad. It's bad for all of us, but I'm gonna do my best. But let me just lay down, we'll do this in two parts, obviously, but let me lay down some cultural context. How many of you guys think this verse in our day and age is offensive to somebody if they read it? Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. What did you say? Say it to my face, you know. Come a little closer, let's go, you know. Like it's offensive, right? It's offensive in our day because we live in a polarized society. We live in an over-feministic and an overly toxic masculinity. We live in this whole imbalance. There's two ditches and there's the road, two ditches and the road. We wanna make sure we find the biblical road and stay on it and say, God, what would you have us to do? Because you can overcorrect. You ever overcorrect? You're in the ditch, okay? You're all over, it's not, not good. 
Let me say something though. When Paul wrote this, did you know that the women were not offended? Not even a little bit. The women read it and said, what? There's instruction for us? Are you serious? Nobody gives instruction for us. And then they kept reading. And the kids said, wait, did, did, did it address the kids? How is that possible? Did you know that in Paul's day, women and children were property? Men took orders from no one, especially their wives and children. Their wives and children had no rights. They couldn't go to the authorities if there was abuse or neglect or problems. Their dad, their husband was the highest authority. And the men in that culture did not care for their wives or children. And so when Paul wrote this, it wasn't the women saying, what, I ain't gonna submit to that bum, you know? They don't say it that way anyways, probably. (laughs) Didn't practice that one. Anyways, it was the husbands who would lead Bible studies, throwing their tables, saying, we're not gonna, what? We're not, you can't tell us what to do. You can't tell us to actually go do this. This is crazy. And it was the men who were offended as Jesus comes along and as God's heart comes along and as the church comes along and says, no, no, the world's all, me- all messed up, shirts on backwards. We're doing it differently. Husbands, love your wives. Don't, go, don't be harsh to her, to her. Man, she's your best friend. She's your best friend. You value her. You pursue her. You care for her. You protect her. You serve her. Paul would say something differently in the book of Ephesians. He would say, husbands, you love your wife, hmm, as Christ loved the church. She doesn't get more loving than that. That's next level sacrificially, committedly, unconditionally, to deathly. That's not even the right word. You know, all the way. <laughs> yeah, don't write that down. <laughs> it's going to have a red line that can't spell it. So the culture, this would have been offensive. It's offensive in our day to certain people. If you read it wrong, it was highly offensive to the culture that Paul wrote this to. And I just want us to settle into this big idea. I was trying to figure out how to teach this because there's some people here that aren't married, some people here that are divorced, some people here that are sad. And and to to focus on a a sermon, January 2nd, 2022, all for married couples is not what I want to do. What I want everyone to do today is I want you to settle into the fact that God knows who you are, where you're at, and what you need to hear from him. Every single person. And he has a better life for you than you're doing right now. Everybody, even if you're a believer here. There's something in your life right now that the Lord wants to speak to you through his word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Don't be conformed to this image, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you who are single and hear this this week and next week about marriage and stuff, we're gonna try and uh, teach it all. Maybe you would have then some insight and some concepts to share to married couples, or maybe you want to get married one day. Maybe you wanna walk in those things and you would understand the biblical roles and responsibilities that God has given to us clearly in the scriptures. Let's just uh, spend a little bit of time, though, asking ourselves, what does this not say? Okay, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting the Lord. You know what this doesn't say? It doesn't say all women submit to all men. Thanks, Jan. Yeah. Anybody else agree with Jan? You guys can talk. It's okay. It's okay. It doesn't say all women submit to all men. Wouldn't that be tragic? If this was just a men are superior and women are inferior message, it's not that. It's not that at all. This is a biblical contextual marriage where the husband has been put as the head of the house and the wife is to be a co-leader with him in that organizational value that God has determined. It's not saying all women everywhere submit to all men. Wouldn't that be, I got a daughter, she, she's upstairs. And wouldn't that be tragic if I said, hey, Casey, here's how it works. I just need you to do whatever men say. I just need you to submit to all guys. That's just, that's just the way it works in our, wouldn't that be tragic? I teach her the opposite, just so you know. I teach her how to fight, scratch, kick, and poke eyes out. Like, just so you know, 
I don't know how you teach your daughters. Like, I mean, I, when she hits me hard because we wrestle and stuff, I said, that was a good one. You remember that. That's a good one. You, you, you do that over and over as many times as you need. You let them know. You let them know. So it doesn't say all women submit to all men. Uh, by the way, nowhere in the Bible does it imply or teach or suggest that women in general are to submit to men in general. Okay, that's not biblical. That's abusive. That's wrong. Okay, there are roles and responsibilities in marriage. That's God's plan. There's roles and responsibilities in the church. Okay, there's certain, it's just an order. I think that's the best word you could come away with when you read God's scripture. There's order. It goes all the way back to the Trinity in heaven. There's order. God the Father, believe it or not, is over the Trinity, okay? He's the singular headship, and there is a plurality of leadership. They are equal in value, different in roles and responsibility. And I teach that when I do premarital counseling, that the husband and the wife are equal, but they are not the same. Isn't that, you know, our, country, our culture's like, they're the same too. I'm like, they're the same too. No, they're not the same. Have you seen a man and a woman? They're different. And it messes with our head. We freak out. We can't handle it. Like, well, which one is it? Are they the same or are they different? It's like, well, listen. Are they, are they equal or are they, are they different? They're equal. They're equal. Valuable. With roles and responsibilities. And if a husband doesn't do his role, everything falls off the track. And if a wife doesn't do her role, everything falls off the track. If, if, a, if, if in the church... If the, the leadership team doesn't do their part, who's the head of the church, by the way? Anybody know who the head of the church is? Jesus Christ, okay? Jesus Christ is the head of the church, but there's a plurality of leadership. You've got headship in heaven. You've got the Father over the Trinity. You've got the headship in the church. You've got Jesus over the church, and you have headship that is singular leadership in the family that is the husband is the head of the home, but you have a plurality of leadership where we are united together doing this side by side. When you figure this out, man, it's so fun. And husbands don't have to be domineering or overbearing, but instead they come under their wives. Just like a pastor and his team leading a church wouldn't come on top of a church and tell them what to do. And if you don't, we're gonna do this and that. But instead a pastor and their team, the elders and the deacons and the, uh, the uh, prophets and the evangelists and the teachers, like it's in Ephesians chapter four, we would wash the feet of the people that God's given to us and care for them just as we see this exemplified in heaven. Number two, this doesn't say wives submit to bad husbands. I'm gonna try and split some hairs here. Just because you're a husband, maybe even a Christian husband, doesn't mean you're a good husband. Can I get a grimace from somebody? Okay, you're a husband, okay, big deal, big deal. That alone doesn't merit the worthiness of your wife submitting to you. This is a fine line here because people have abused these verses over the years. Hey, I'm the husband. Deal with it. This is what we're doing. This is where we're going. And listen, if you have a bad husband, I'll say it differently. Let's, let's share the load. If you have a bad marriage, okay, that means you have a lot of work to do moving forward. And most marriages have some work involved. You've been married before? Okay, there are three rings within every marriage. There is the engagement ring, and then there's the wedding ring, and then there's suffering. <laughs> <laughs> So funny. And so let me just implore you, exhort you, listen, it takes two to make a marriage work perfectly. It takes work on both. But this isn't a mandate if you have a bad husband, okay? This is a mandate given to husbands, believing that that husband is sacrificially, committedly, unwaveringly, lovingly serving his wife. 
And if there's something going on in the marriage that needs to be worked on, and I would just encourage you, if you have a, a, a bad marriage right now, maybe it's just not perfect, okay, let's just call it that, okay? That doesn't give you license to then leave that marriage and to d- dismantle that marriage. It does give you, though, the necessity of working on it. You have to work on that marriage. It's not gonna be easy, but it takes both couples to work. Let's go even next level, though. This doesn't say wives are to endure abuse from husbands. Some people have wrongly taken this or found that position where like, yeah, my marriage is not just bad, it's actually, it's really bad. And, I don't, and again, I have to say this because I don't want anybody to use this against somebody else because Pastor Luke said so, but if your marriage is really bad, if there's abuse, if there's neglect, if there's demeaning, if there's all kinds of silly stuff going on, you're gonna need some real serious help. And you may even have biblical grounds to do something a little more aggressive in the repair of your, your marriage, okay? Don't let anybody sit on you and say, hey, it says it right here, wives submit to your husbands. It's not a verse that is to create chains, but is instead given to create liberty and freedom. This also doesn't say wives obey your husbands in all things. It doesn't even say obey, it says submit. Sometimes a husband wrongly will say, hey, babe, this is where we're going, this is what we're doing, you just gotta submit to me, you gotta obey me. And the reality is leadership and decisions are made collectively. The responsibility is gonna fall the lion's share on the husband, he's the head, he's gonna be held responsible and accountable. That's what the Bible teaches. But the reality is the wife still has a lot of sway, a lot of influence. She doesn't just have to go along with things, especially if they are sinful or unbiblical. Now, I have so many notes here. I'm trying to condense this. I'm just flipping through here, just grabbing stuff off here that sticks out to me. So this would have made way more sense if you would just read my notes, but I'm not gonna let you do that. (laughs) That'll get me in big trouble. Let me just talk about how this is gonna look differently for every couple. Okay, we'll talk about the husbands more next week. But this is gonna look different for every couple. The way a wife submits to her husband and the way a husband loves his wife is gonna look differently to each couple. As a matter of fact, the Bible doesn't dictate personality types. You ever seen like a, different, a couple that just is like paired differently? Usually opposites attract. That's kind of how it works, opposites attract. And at the beginning of your relationship, you're fascinated by one another. Like, oh my gosh, you talk so much and I don't like to talk. This is so fun. You like to go over here and I don't like to go over there. And it's super fun and you're really funny and I'm super boring and man, that's amazing. And you know, you like to cook and I like to eat. This is crazy. And all these crazy. And eventually though, those opposites, they become annoying, don't they? You're like, man, that was at one point really cool and fascinating, but you really bother me. <laughs> I read a book, this didn't happen in our marriage, but anyways, my point is, my point is, you, you might mistakenly think, well, you're the husband, you're the talker, you're the extrovert, you're the leader, you're the one, okay? There are some strong women out there, okay, in those giftings, call them type A personalities, okay? They're leaders, they're talking, they're vocal, they're highly gifted, and usually they'll marry somebody that compliments them, and the opposites attract, And so just because you have a different personality type and you read these verses, the Bible doesn't determine and dictate personalities. God does. God made you that way. And so being able to find a way to settle under the roles and responsibilities that God has given to you and for husbands and wives to identify those gifts within one another and say, wow, you're really good at this. As a matter of fact, I know I'm in charge and and the buck stops here and, and God's asked me to oversee the marriage, but you know what? You're really good at the finances, babe. I'm just gonna let you, you do the books. I'm gonna let you refinance the house. I'm gonna let you do this. And the wife said, thank you so much because I don't wanna go bankrupt and get in jail. I'll do that, you know. And, and being able to identify different gifts within one another. 
I remember some years ago, a conversation I had right over here, and I was talking to a dude, uh, and I, I knew him better than his wife, and I just kind of, I made some assumptions. I made some assumptions. So I talked to him, and I said, hey, I'd like to talk to you about this certain thing uh, that we're doing here at the church. And he looked at me, and he said, you should talk to my wife about that. And I remember I was so stunned because what I was talking, I just figured he was, you know, had, had you know, the, the issue we were talking about was, and I said, okay, that's a, I did not see that coming. And so I went to their house and met with he and her together and found out she had a lot of insight and a lot of opinions and a lot of power in the house. And they had organized themselves in a plurality of leadership, even though there was a singularness of headship, he's the head of the house, but he loved and respected her and she loved and respected him. And they were a team together. And I think it's important to value and to grow. And if you are a husband or you are a wife, it is your joy. The Bible actually says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, it's the instructions to husbands and wives. It says, husbands, dwell with your wife with understanding. Literally what that means is, guys, open up your eyes and figure some stuff out. Learn who this babe is. Learn who this chick is. God has gifted her. Should I not say that in church? Anyways. <laughs> in the context of marriage. <laughs> Don't be just figuring out babes and chicks unless you're married to them, you know? Man, this is, a bad, this is crazy. This is God's joy to put men and women together in holy matrimony and to see them grow in these things. It's gonna look differently to everybody. And you're gonna have to figure this out. I, I gotta find a place to land here. I wanna give you guys a high note here. You're gonna have to figure this out. When it says love and, and respect or submit and lead, Okay, every wife is gonna receive that love differently. Some wives might like gifts and they might like words of affirmation. Some, some might like acts of service. You need to figure out what your spouse receives and responds to the most and do that. Some gals wanna be protected, cared for, left home, left alone, just all the things put in order and they don't wanna do anything. And that's, you need to figure that out. This is what my wife likes. I'm gonna make sure that this is the safest place ever and I expect nothing from her outside the home. Other gals are equipped differently. They want to go travel. They want to experience. They want to see things. And if that's your wife, you better get two jobs. You know, you better figure that out. You make it happen, dude. Figure it out. It's going to be different for everybody. It's, it's a joy. It's supposed to be a privilege. And you're going to have to figure out. How, here's what I want husbands and wives to do. This is actually the, the homework. And, and when I, I wrote this down last night, I was like, oh, man, that's going to be crazy. And the homework is this for husbands and wives is to ask your wife, how do you feel loved? What makes you feel cared for? And then when your wife answers, okay, don't get offended. As a matter of fact, if you're smart, you'll write it down. You'll write it down and memorize it because you'll forget because you're a dumb dumb. And she'll tell you clearly. And wives, here's what I want you to do with your husbands. I want you to ask your husband, how, how do you feel respected? How do you feel submitted to, served, and cared for? How do you feel? What, do you, what makes you feel that way? Because it's not gonna be the same across the board. It's gonna be different for every marriage. And if a husband and a wife would look at each other with fascination in their eyes and appreciation, deep, deep appreciation. Now, Paul's instruction isn't just to husbands and wives. It goes on to fathers and parents and, and children. It goes to children and to parents, and it goes to employers, to employees, and employees, to and bosses, and it goes to the whole thing, citizens. Throughout the scriptures, there's instructions given to citizens and to kings into how you're supposed to entertain, your, how you're supposed to live your lives. And when you just settle and say, I'm so thankful that we, and our culture is going crazy, so crazy. I'm so thankful that we don't have to make stuff up. We don't. It's all been written out. It's all penned out. What we do need to do, though, is humble ourselves and say, Lord, do this. Search my heart. 
Tell me how to be a better man. Tell me how to be a better woman. Tell me how to be a better kid. Tell me how to be a better friend. Tell me how to be a better boss. Maybe you're a boss here. Don't miss next week. We're going to get into that, that, part, that part too. And I believe the Lord is going to be glorified, listen, as we wear the clothes that he designed properly. I, I know it's 1037, but I got three more things. When, when you're on stage, you can do whatever you want to do too. Guys, if you want any relationship to be successful, anything, you're going to need these three components, any relationship at all. Number one is communication. Communicate. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Okay, for a married couple, this happens in the morning. You're communicating. How you doing? What's going on? How can I support you? What's going on today? Communicate. Nowadays, with the text world and all this stuff, you can actually communicate all day long. But this comes with communication early in the morning, figuring things out. It comes early in the week, early in the month, early in the year. Okay, this includes planning. This includes scheduling. This covers all the things in the different seasons of life. I do marriage counseling, and one of the things that breaks down the very beginning, the very first thing, you can trace it all the way back is a communication breakdown. Husband starts going this way, wife starts going this way, the family starts dividing and developing. There's no communication, there's no planning, there's no investing, there's no ownership that is shared. You have to communicate. This is gonna make you stronger the more that you spend this time leading together. The second thing you're gonna need in any relationship, especially in marriage, is trust. Not just communication, but trust. Now, let me just tell you about trust. Okay, trust is a very precious commodity. It's very valuable. If somebody trusts you, do not take that for granted. Let it motivate you. Now, trust is crazy because it's so sensitive. Trust can be given. We give, our, we give trust. I, I, I choose to trust you. Okay, we ch- it's chosen. But trust can also be forfeited and lost in an instance. It can be devastated but it can also be earned back. And in a relationship, there can't be any shadiness, okay? You gotta give trust and you gotta be trustworthy. Husbands, wives, your wife says, hey, I wanna see your phone. I wanna look something up on your phone. Hey, there it is. You should be able to hand it to her. Computers, hey, I got nothing to hide from you, babe. Everything, it's all yours. My wife and I, we have this thing on iPhones where we can track each other's location all the time, just know where we're at. It's the funniest thing. My wife would be like, so, you got Dairy Queen, are you, huh? Wow, interesting, you know, tough life, tough life. You know, she goes everywhere, you know. I love it, I love knowing where she's at. She knows, you know, nothing to hide. We trust each other. And when that trust is broken, okay, it takes two. It takes two, but you can heal it, bring it back. And the third thing, because I got to end, we're going to be done here. The third thing, the most important thing with any relationship, okay, not just communication, not just trust, but Friendship. Friendship. Uh, a guy who's a doctor, by sociological doctor on, on marriages, he says that he can predict 93% accuracy marriages that will end in divorce. Because he can identify that these people, they're not really friends. Separate hobbies, separate intentions, separate desires. They got married for various reasons, but they're not best friends. And the marriages that last, the marriages that produce fruit, the marriages that get sweeter, same with relationships, are people who truly value one another. Friendship. You care for each other. You want each other to succeed. You don't rejoice when there's difficulty. You don't hold bitterness over them. You don't wish for demise or silly things, but instead you cherish them. And I just pray in Jesus' name for any marriages here that are struggling, okay? Anybody in here who's gone through a divorce and your heart is broken, the Bible says there's no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. God's grace is sufficient for your needs. And if you are struggling in your marriage, it would be so rad today even to put your hands up and say, Lord, just heal us, make us best friends. 
Help us to communicate. Help us to have that trust established. Help us to trust you. Did you know that if you even just simply say, Lord, I believe your word. I'm gonna take it. I believe it. So Lord, we're gonna apply it to our hearts and we need you to do something miraculous. We need you to heal us. Maybe it's for a relationship. Maybe it's for something else. And so I'm gonna pray for you guys as we send us out. And I think I just heard a gust of wind. So maybe your car's gone. We'll see how that goes. (laughs) Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. It will not return void. It will uh, accomplish the purpose you've set it out to do. I thank you for this time that we've had today. We've taken communion, we've worshiped, we've prayed. Lord, we've been inspired by Marissa Hainer and, and her story and Safe Families for Children. And Lord, it's just the beginning of the year. We're gonna get Bibles as we leave and some vitamin C, some oranges and some reading plans. And now, now the ministry begins. Guys are gonna leave, gals are gonna leave. This is, this is the easy part. Now, now we get to work. And I pray in Jesus' name and anointing on us, you'd forgive us of our sins. You would heal us, Lord, from our faults. And you would equip us, Lord, to do the work of the ministry, to be husbands, to be wives, to be men, to be women, to be fathers, to be mothers, to be employers, to be employees, to be citizens, to be kings, to be leaders, to be single, to be, to be all the things you've asked us to be. We just want to wear the clothes right. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the kids, for the Sunday school workers that went a little bit long because the pastor went a little bit long. Bless them, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, God bless you guys.